again, everyone, and welcome inside the Adam Jones podcast presented by the Baltimore Banner. I'm Jerry Coleman. He's, of course, Adam Jones back in his Lakers shirt. He washed it in between podcasts from last week. Maybe he didn't. We have no blue check marks, folks, but we do have a podcast and we got some good karma that comes from this podcast. Our last guest, Kyle Gibson, just struck out a career high 11 following his appearance. So hopefully that good karma continues, AJ. And today an episode, and I think I got it right, number 27. There's a baseball team that's won like 27 championships that won't be mentioned on this podcast. We are going to be joined by the Orioles assistant GM, Sig Dell, and get his thoughts on the birds and how the rebuild has gone the last five years, plus his view of analytics and the future of baseball in Oakland, if there is going to be one. Adam and I are also going to talk about the NFL draft traveling show with the Baltimore Banners. Ravens beat reporter Jonas Shaper. We also will see if we have an NBA bet, especially with Hollywood Casino Perryville now joining the podcast. We'll give away or qualify someone, I should say, for a Miss Shirley's gift card in our socially speaking segment. So stick around and tell a friend or family member this podcast is rapidly growing and we're about to start season three. But right now, let's get started with our feature guests. He is the Orioles assistant GM since coming to Baltimore, I believe, back in November of 2018. A man of the people, Sig Dell, joining us here on the Adam Jones podcast. Sig, thanks for taking the time and joining us. And I think let's start this way. A, a lot of people watching, a lot of people listening. I don't think they exactly grasp what your day to day duties and activities are for the Orioles as the assistant GM. You want to help clarify and explain typically what a day is like for you inside that warehouse with those bricks around you? Yeah. No, ha- first of all, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Great to see both of you again. Uh, there's not an atypical day, but in general, it's not only myself, but uh, the team of analysts, developers I work with. And in a general sense, we're just trying to make sense of all the information available and create intuitive decision-making tools to help the decision makers throughout the org just make more informed decisions. And uh, there's an excitement to do that from all of them and, and also here and with the culture Elias, Mike Elias has created, um, there's coaches, there's players up and down the organization and they're all interested in, in the tools we could provide. Sig, always good to see you and talk to you. Um, what is the most rewarding and disappointing part of your job, and especially with analytics? Because there's a lot of decisions that have been made based on analytics and a lot of decisions made based on, the, obviously, the eye test. So who have you, like, missed on and who have you hit on? J.D. Martinez, Singleton, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, in a, you know, again, in a general sense, I think the, one of the more rewarding aspects of this industry is that while it's a zero-sum game, you know, the wins we get, we're taking them away from New York or Boston and and we're sending their fans home a a little unhappier. So it clearly is a zero-sum game, but one of the inspiring bits about it is, is working with the draft, that there are legitimately players out there who maybe aren't going to the right school, don't look like a baseball player, but they're leaving behind a lot of evidence that there's something suspiciously good about them. And so if you're able to find them, bring them into the system, bring them with the right coaches and see them flourish, that's tremendously rewarding because it's somebody 
who may not have been given a chance or certainly a full chance or as good a chance. And um, that's rewarding to see those guys when they thrive and, and, you know, even make it to the major leagues. As far as disappointment, like, yeah, you, it's a short podcast. We don't have all day for that. Um, <laughs> no shortage of, of regret, of things you've missed, of things you would do differently. Um, but that's often the fuel that inspires you to look more critically at your model, at your process. So I try to look like every, uh, thanks for bringing it up, Adam, every J.D. Martinez that slips through our fingers <laughs> uh, is a lesson learned and lessens the chances of that happening again. So for the people listening, especially the teenagers, the parents, hopefully, besides the raw talent, you can hit the ball far, you have a good exit velo, you can run, you can have you can still a base, you can throw hard. What are Major League Baseball teams really looking for besides just the, the eye test? What are we looking for in the person, in the makeup? Yeah, it's not the sexiest of answers, but uh, the team that scores the most runs wins the game. We're trying to win the game. So we try to perhaps like an accountant to combine everything and turn it into the language of runs. And in some ways, we don't care how he produces the runs. If it's through plate discipline and putting the ball in play and extending the singles to doubles or making great base running moves, like we don't care and neither does the scoreboard. And so uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, how can this player help us outscore the opposition and, we're incessant with the information we look at. And like what you say, the, the work ethic, the leadership, to the degree that that leads to runs um, produced, like we're attracted to it. And, and so for many of those skills, we resort to you know, the human expert, the scouts, the coaches, the players to give us that. But at the end of the day, we're still doing our best to to quantify the run production of this guy at the plate and then in the other half of the inning too defensively. And Sig, I know you created a formula to help predict the risk of injury for baseball players. You look at the NBA, they've gone the way of load management. MLB now has pitch counts. I go back to the old days where Jordan used to play 82 games and win a title. Nolan Ryan would pitch, you know, 200 career complete games and his arm hasn't fallen off, the guy threw into his 40s. So why have things changed so drastically when in the past we, we really haven't seen the problems with some of these star players that I mentioned, or maybe those two were just anomalies? Yeah, we, that would be the holy grail if we really had a formula that could predict injuries. What we have are formulas that help us be a little less wrong, uh, make us a little less bad, uh, a little less surprised with the injuries that come. And they're, they're traumatic when it's a pitcher, when it's your star. And we are not as good as we like to be in that. And we're doing our best. And a lot of it is still, I don't know. We have some ideas, some guesses. Uh, we have some experts in here, but still so much of, of injury prediction is, is an unknown and perhaps that, that gives us some job security that we're continuing to plow away and get a little less bad at it every day. 
Hey, Jerry's always trying to bring things down, man. So it was one yeah, thing about right. a negative dude. Yeah, want to be in the media. I remember when they attached some things to like Tillman some years back, and I'm like, what are they doing? Rick Peterson had some things. He has a company with that. I'm like, you really can predict that when like, you know, a guy who's a you know a fat ass by standards of an athlete, he can just go out there and do what he wants, and a guy who's you know a Degrom, some is injury prone, like. I don't. I don't know. It's it, it goes both ways, but uh, I mean, hey, I think that's unbelievable too. But I don't know. Did Dylan Blackjack or working in NASA help you with baseball? As you're very very smart and understand the numbers, especially behind the scenes. And I'm starting to now as uh, transitioning to not. I'm not media yet, Coleman, but understanding the other side of the game, which I respected so much as playing. Of course, you know there was always players and the old school of I don't want to learn this. I don't want to do this yet. Um, to I'm I'm trying to see the game. I want to see how you guys make decisions. So did you know your background? Did that really help out with understanding the numbers? And probably this is probably easy to compare. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think both did in in their own way. Uh, I think dealing blackjack, you could see human behavior, uh, how they handle risk, how they handle losses, how they handle bad luck. So so many of the players know basic strategy. This this general. Uh, easy to remember set of rules, uh, but man, when they they drink a little bit or when there's a big bet on the table, it's interesting to see just how tempting it is to stray from what you intellectually know is the right decision. And so there's there's some overlaps with that behavior and baseball. If like we know in some areas we suspect we know what the right decision is but the right decision doesn't always lead to the right results. And, and so there's sometimes your intuition wants to, wants to stray from it. And a lot of time, the best course of action is, is sticking with what you think the best decision is, even if maybe you've had a bad sample in the past. Um, as far as NASA aims, uh, yeah, I was working in a group that was involved with sleep research. And so a lot of it was like human performance, predicting the human performance based on your past sleep-wake history. And so at that time, a lot of the physiological mechanisms were sort of a black box. So it was often an exercise in predicting the results coming from universities and tests as simply as you could. So it sort of nudged you into uh, an attraction for simple simple uh, formulas. And then coming into baseball, where many of the decision makers, you know, they didn't have a, a statistical background. Being attracted to the simple formula and presenting them simple formula, like made all the difference in the world. So I think that was sort of a good fortune of a lesson I learned from NASA that was surprisingly helpful in baseball. Hold that thought, Sig. We got more ahead with the Orioles assistant GM. But first, let's hear from our dedicated, loyal sponsors who you should support. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by the locally owned and operated Miss Shirley's Cafe, an award-winning breakfast, brunch, and lunch restaurant with three locations in Maryland. Miss Shirley's has been featured on Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and Triple D Nation, as well as Travel Channel's Food Paradise. Miss Shirley's Cafe has also been named Maryland's favorite restaurant by the Restaurant Association of Maryland. Visit Miss Shirley's Cafe in Roland Park, Inner Harbor, and Annapolis. Go to MissShirley's.com by Be More Around Town, which is now booking for their hashtag Orange Road Trips. 
to Atlanta, Wrigley Field, San Francisco, which includes a pit stop in Napa Valley, and Yankee Stadium, among others. Learn more now at BeMoreAroundTown.com by the very respected folks at the Weinman Company. By Hollywood Casino Perryville. To some, it's a game of chance, but for you, it's a game of choice. Hollywood and Barstool are bringing you more ways to bet in Maryland. Catch all the action in person at Hollywood Casino Perryville at the Barstool Sportsbook or bet online with the Barstool Sportsbook app. When you download the Barstool Sportsbook app, register and wager, and you can get up to $1,000 bonus cash. Plus, get up to $1,000 when you sign up and wager in person at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Play from anywhere and get up to $2,000. The choice is yours. Must be in the state of Maryland to wager and over 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, it's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. By G-Leaf Medical Cannabis Company. Visit gleaf.com. Gleaf.com offers free delivery. Medical cannabis is for Maryland patients only. And the Baltimore Banner. The Banner is offering six months of unlimited digital access for only a dollar to get started visit the baltimorebanner.com slash aj and now more with sig Dell, the orioles assistant gm here on the adam jones podcast uh, do you have ambitions and i know there was talk of being a major league general manager one day is that a goal of yours or do you like helping out mike and just you know being a part of where you are right now or do you want to do you want to guide a ball club one of these days yeah i need an assistant the assistants. Um, yeah, I love being in uh, in the middle of change in an organization that is incessant in their search for improving the decision making. I think the success, perhaps not only of a team of anything, comes from sort of the quality of your decisions and luck. And we can't control luck, but we have a lot of control over the quality of the decisions. And so. Uh, being in an organization that's on the same page, that has a support from ownership, uh, regardless of the role, is is what excites me and and you know makes me feel really privileged to be not only in baseball but in an organization like this. So I'm I'm happy here. I want to ask about Oakland, man. I mean, I just want you know being from there. Me not, but you, Mary, have grown up there, like the fan, like. Two California guys. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a team leave. The Chargers left. I didn't grow up the biggest Chargers fan, but I grew up understanding that, you know, what it means to having a sports franchise in the city. Now going back there, I'm like, damn, there's something missing on a Sunday. Um, I, how, do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, he's going to a great place in Vegas, um, but Oakland is losing out. The city, the people. A lot of my friends who grew up Oakland fans, the starter jackets yeah. from the 90s, they're missing out. Yeah, it's impossible not to empathize. The the Oakland fans, sports fans, have last, lost a lot recently. And I know I have a bias. Growing up there, we would take the bus to BART and go to the Oakland games. And it was Billy Ball, Ricky Henderson, Dwayne Murphy, Tony Armas. Um, even when I return back now to the Coliseum, it, it's a whole bunch of memories from the, you know, the carefree time of childhood and early teens and going to the ballpark. So I'll be very sad, you know, to see it go. Um, and that's, yeah, definitely a negative there. Hopefully it's an overall positive for baseball and, and it'll move on. And it'll, it'll be these 
fond memories from a stadium that no longer has a major league baseball team for me. Hey, Sig, when we see players pull out a file card from their back pocket or a pitcher look at their wristband, what's going on there? What are they looking at? Is that intel and analytical information that your department has provided to them? Yeah, that's a good example of, of what we do. So um, if it's an outfielder that you brought up looking at the card, so depending on the pitcher, depending on the hitter, uh, through analytics or just through evidence-based decision-making, we could get uh, a base rate, an initial sense of the distribution of batted balls. And so we work with the coaches and the players to create the most intuitive tool uh, we can. And like anybody in the forecasting world, you, you share the base rate and you let the human being stray with it, stray from it as they see fit, perhaps with, you know, a caution and an insecurity, but at the end of it all, you know, it's up to the, the coaches and, and those in uniform, but darn it, these, this pitcher has thrown a lot. These hitters have hit a lot. Like it seems uh, like a handicap not to try to make sense of that information and share it with, in this case, the decision makers are, are those in uniform. I always wondered that too is, I mean, I'm in the part, I'm the, the older Eric, to the analytical era. So I remember when the catcher used to call the games. Now the catcher doesn't necessarily call the games anymore. You have the pitch comms. You have like, a lot has taken away from the human element in a way to me. Um, and good and bad. I mean, I think that, you know, I think a, a best part about the game was trying to steal signs from the guy at second base when you're on second base. I always loved that. The older pitchers when I was coming up, the, they hated that. They'd throw into the hitter. That was part of the game. Now, it's like you throw inside everybody wants to get mad and fight opposed to these are part of these are just the I get the unwritten rules, but these are part of the game. And I think technology in a in a way has ruined that authenticity of the game a little bit, but has, I guess, provided more secrecy, more uh, assurance that the right call will be made or the right play will be made now because you got five people in the outfield or five people in the field with pitch com. I remember playing shortstop, giving uh, either a hard fist or like open hand to my left fielder you know, to let him know if it's off speed or fastball or something like that. But now it's like, if I was a center fielder and knew a pitch was coming, well, damn, there was some of the balls that I missed by that much. I believe I would have caught if I, if I had that information now. Yeah, I agree with you. Like some of the human factors of, of that, which you so well described are gone. I remind myself we're in a extremely competitive world. None of us are tenured here. So there's tremendous pressure to make the best decision we can. And all of that does not come from human intuition. You know, despite how capable we think we are, uh, there's value in taking a look at, at the numbers and uh, experienced, intelligent, um, you know, baseball persons will disagree. And instead of simply agreeing to disagree, why don't we test things out? Why don't we look at the numbers and see whether, you know, one of these experienced, intelligent baseball persons is a little bit more right or not. Um, but at the end of it all, like I had described before, like we're, we're forecasters. The catcher is a forecaster. He's trying to forecast what's going to happen in the next nine seconds, whether the slider 
or fastball or changeup is going to be the best pitch. And it is up to him, but it's, it's sort of a best practice of, of forecasting is let's provide this decision maker in the most intuitive way with all the information we can. And he could stray from it as he sees fit. If he thinks this guy is sitting on a slider, well, by all means, that slider may not be the best pitch and analytics would, would never be able to know that. But uh, there's a lot going on with in the game and to really expect the catcher to remember every weakness of every player against every one of our pitchers in every count, um, I think is, is unrealistic. And we're competing against teams who are using all the information and using it as well as they can. And I don't want to go with this fight with one hand tied behind my back. Love it. I do want to go back to a previous question. I don't know if we got an answer. It was regarding those file cards and the wristbands and what is written on that? What type of information are they looking at? I mean, without giving away too much. Yeah. So it's not going to be a dissertation. It's going to be the presentation of the, of the information is as intuitive um, way we can. And so we have some skilled developers who have some experience, usability testing, user-centered design process. So they'll come out with a first iteration, like here's my best guess of presenting it, but no way is that the finished product. That's the first iteration. We take it to the user, we share that, and we get their feedback. We iterate again, we test it out, we iterate, we iterate, till at the end of this process, which by the way, never ends, we have something that communicates the positioning or or whatever it is as as well as we can so often it's it's often it's diagrams it's a collection of of buckets that describe positions and illustrated in some sort of way um so it's probably no not too different adam jones if you imagine having to um describe how you might compress all this information in a quick way that you could look at in the 15 seconds you have between pitches, you'd come up with something it'd probably right. be really good. And maybe after a couple of spring trainings of, of practice, it, it would evolve to something a little bit different. Yeah. We used, uh, I mean, we, we used information. Um, Kirby would always have all the information in the dugout. Me and him would go over it every, before every game. I didn't have anything in my pockets. He would remind me if I forgot, uh, he was more animated um, in the dugout, obviously, to move guys a little pitch, not necessarily pitch by pitch, but batter by batter. Um, now, the, obviously, they've gone away by that, by having the cards out there. When I went to Arizona, they had that. And I'm like, I know all these hitters, but I'm in right field, so I don't necessarily know all these hitters. So I, for some reason, I remembered all, I remembered the guys. I remembered how to play. But, again, it was a time when guys were in the lineup more consistent. Now you have so many lineups and the changeover of lineups of how many different uh, configurations of the lineup. Guy might be hitting six one day, now he's hitting two. So you're like, oh well, you know, things might change on a on a on a whim. So, you know, yeah. I, I like the information. I've always said that the information has always been good. I just never liked when it was all about the information. That's always one thing that got me about Tampa. Tampa's that for some odd reason I don't know how they succeed that way. But when they pulled Snail, that showed that our analytics is smarter than the game of baseball. And in that situation, you lose in the world, you lose in the World Series because of your analytics. That's what I don't want to see. Now, if the guy has thrown 128 pitches or the guy maybe is 98 pitches 
in the sixth innings, you know, and just, you know, Trout's coming up, let's bring in a fresh arm. Like, you can you can read that. But it's just, you know, the the some, some there's a few guys that aren't scared to go to the third time in the lineup. And now guys, even some starters, I've watched a lot of games, they look to come out when they when they see the eighth, ninth guy because they know they're easier hitters. Now I'm in my fifth inning. I got my five and dives. I, 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 hated, I hated those guys because – I need you to throw seven. Seven is sexy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. Just as we often talk about, like, the for a coach to be interested in this, there's often a modesty. There's an interest that – or a belief that simply by observing these baseball games, I may – I could still be improved by maybe looking at the analytics. So that's requiring a modesty from the coaches. But uh, you need a modesty from the analysts, too. Like, this is a model. This will fall short of all the intricacies and texture of real life. It's a model. By definition, it falls short. And so it's a good reminder for us all that uh, we need a modesty, too. And we need to know that the information that's taking place in front of our experts, in front of these coaches, is going to influence that. And we need to give them the ability to stray from the model. Now... How much, how frequently, like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then there could always be a bit of a feedback loop so that you're, you're, you're still anchoring to this appropriate amount. And, you know, having the discussion with Snell and when you pull them and when you don't is all, like we're all in the same boat. We're all struggling to see where that, you know, right balance, right fit is. Sig, final question uh, for you from me. We have uh, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, coming up in a few weeks here on this show. I know you guys speak often. He has told me that. So how did uh, this relationship formulate between you and the Ravens GM? Yeah, it was a long time ago. I think it was 2012 or 13 um, when we were working at the Astros and they they weren't good yet. Uh, But we had a reputation of... Uh, being able to change the culture and squeeze whatever juice there is out of analytics, uh, both in St. Louis and then with Houston. And so one of their analysts, Corey Krayak and, or Craywick, excuse me, um, and Eric reached out and Corey visited and we just sort of shared best practices and thoughts. And I, I kept in touch with them. Um, I'd never been to Baltimore, so uh, when I was in the area, I came for a football game and uh, saw the draft room and just kept in touch. And then when there were rumors of us, of Michael Elias and myself coming to Baltimore, like Eric was the biggest supporter of that. He was texting more often than family for for updates. And so coming here, he, he and Corey were the only ones we knew. And so... Um, like any stranger in town, I'm clinging on to the couple new friends I had in the city. I ask you the final, final question of okay. it. Um, this is it. Re- this is it. Um, the rebuild. It, it's you know, it's been amazing to see. It's been painful for some fans, but now rewarding the ones that stuck because Baltimore some very, very loyal fans. But this rebuild, it's as an outsider, it's been tremendous to see the talent that you guys have drafted produced you guys have one of the youngest teams in the major leagues how fulfilling 
obviously Elias is getting all the credit for it and, you know, Hyde's getting the credit. Um, but rebuilds start from the inside and they start at the, at the lowest levels. They start in the rookie ball. They don't just start in the major leagues. Um, how fulfilling is that? Has that been for you? Because that is your department. That's where you are, are making the biggest noise. So how fulfilling has that been for you personally? Yeah, we're still quite far from the finish line. We've, got no playoff wins since we've been here, Adam. So um, we're not calling anything a success yet, but the changes we made and the processes we've changed, which a typical fan just, you know, can't see this, like that's the most rewarding thing. Um, the process we use when we draft players, the international program uh, that John Angelos and Mike Elias and Kobe Perez have created uh, is rewarding the coaches we brought in and the player development system that Matt Blood has created is amazing. And I feel like the processes and the decisions making processes that we're, we're implementing here um, are as modern as any team. And, you know, there's going to be good fortune. There's going to be bad luck with individual players and, and what happens to them. But the part that we could control the organization and the process. And that includes the major leagues and Brandon Hyde and the coaches up there, I feel are as sound as any organization I've been with or seen. And that that's all we could do. And so the number one farm system is wonderful. The start is wonderful, but really what we control is the process. And that's what I'm most proud of. Well, Sig, we really appreciate you taking the time here. And I can tell you the last Orioles guest we had on was Kyle Gibson, who just produced his highest strikeout game as a major leaguer. So hopefully the good karma continues with you inside that warehouse and look forward to catching up with you again soon during the season. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sig. All right. Thanks, Sid. Well, AJ, I know that was your first time to really speak with him. You've met him yeah. before, but a very well-rounded individual. I mean, from blackjack dealer, worked for NASA, now in the major leagues. He's got a He's lot. Been of around, yeah. Been around, been around, and it's you know it, it's cool like to to talk to guys like these are the decision makers, but these are guys that I want to know why they're making these decisions. What are they looking at with these kids? It's not again. I try to say it, it's not about you can hit the ball far, but there's also a makeup. Like, how do you? Not necessarily wear a uniform, but how do you present yourself? And you know, some kids don't don't have that, and they don't under, don't understand that, and maybe not hear that. And you know, for somebody that is in the draft room, that's somebody you want to get information from. All right, from the Orioles to the Ravens, we doubled up on guests this week, folks. Not just the Orioles, as I mentioned, the Ravens. The NFL draft does begin tonight, and here to talk all about it is the Ravens beat reporter for the Baltimore Banner. Great to have Jonas Schaefer back on the podcast again. Jonas, thanks for taking the time. Uh, obviously, the draft does kick off this evening from Kansas City. Now, I want to know how many different mock drafts did the banner make you put together with all the disinformation that goes around before this thing kicks off? I got to tell you, Jerry, with only five draft picks, mock drafts just aren't as fun this year. There, there's not as many... <laughs> Ways that you can go with it. it. They're easier, certainly, because you don't spend your time. I think last year they had eight picks going into the draft, and so those were pretty time-consuming. I think we've only done two so far, which is probably a low for me in a year. Uh, but we've got another one coming out today, 
Thursday if it's not already out Wednesday. So uh, yeah, they're they're treating me fine at the banner in terms of mock draft output. <laughs> oh, I want to get the controversy out there. What if the Ravens draft a quarterback? Ooh, I guess it depends on what round we're talking, right? If it's first round, you know, they would really have to swing for the fences in terms of output wise for someone like Anthony Richardson, who's even more athletic than Lamar Jackson. Uh, mm. If they wait until that, that, yeah, it's true. Uh, if they wait in that 22 spot, they could maybe, you know, go after someone like Hendon Hooker, who has his own injury problems coming off a knee, uh, knee situation, might not be ready for, for all the training camp. And, Obviously, uh, just a year younger than Lamar Jackson, so there's maybe some question about the development there. But then if you wait until the third, fourth, fifth round, then you're really talking about guys with kind of cap potentials, and I I don't think you're going to find, despite the success of Brock Purdy, another viable starter in those rounds. You can maybe find a a nice backup, someone like Stetson Bennett, who obviously played with Todd Munkin there at Georgia. But I think if the Ravens are going to have to – if the Ravens want to look for a quarterback – then they're probably going to have to stick in that first round. They're probably going to have to move up, which is a costly proposition. What would it mean for Lamar? Like if they took a quarterback anytime, if they took one early, obviously that's saying something. If they took one late, yeah. that's still saying something. Yeah, I think if they took one late, it would be more reflection on Tyler Huntley. You know, he's uh, was a restricted free agent this past year. So he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, which means if he has a decent year, you know, that's going to cost you a couple million. Obviously, the Ravens don't want to spend a ton of money on that back position if they're spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars on Lamar. Uh, but I think if they were to draft a quarterback in the first round this year, then it would be pretty surprising in the sense that everything that they've done these past couple of months has been uh, an effort to get on Lamar's good side, you know, from signing Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, to, you know, apparently asking for Lamar's input on the kind of wide receivers that he likes. So uh, I think if they go ahead and draft someone like a uh, Anthony Richardson or a Hendon Hooker, it's probably not a good sign for his future in Baltimore long term. Um, but, you know, so much of this is about leverage, right? Lamar made his trade request so that he could get more leverage and maybe make himself more money and, you know, see what other teams were out there interested in him. Turns out as of right now, there isn't a whole lot. If the Ravens have a, another talented quarterback in the wings there, maybe that helps them in their negotiations. Now that would be, you know, a pretty nuclear strategy. Um, but I think if they were to take a quarterback in the first round, which I'm inclined to say that they won't, it probably means we're at the beginning of the end with Lamar and maybe they look to trade in this off season. Um, but again, this is a team that wants to win now. Uh, John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta have talked about how, you know, they're not really interested in a rebuild. And I think if you draft a quarterback right now, even with the talent that you have around Lamar or that quarterback position, that would be what you're kind of kicking off. And I think to Adam's point, it seems like they're gearing up for a one-year run with Odell having Lamar back. They're anticipating that and see what they can do based on this season. And then maybe people will be paid accordingly. Is that the way you view it? Like they're all in on this upcoming season, Jonas? Yeah, I, I think Lamar too. Uh, you know, he, when the, the the phrase that I keep coming back to in that trade request was, he said he wanted to trade away from the Ravens because they weren't interested in meeting his value. Now you can read that a lot of ways, but if he sees a way for him to raise his value is to play with a really good team, a really good cast of wide receivers, 
a really, really good offensive line. The Ravens are doing a pretty good, pretty good job of building one of those around him. And obviously the best quarterbacks transcend their surroundings. They don't need all pros at every position. But if Lamar goes in the playoffs and has a great team around him and that team helps him go to a Super Bowl or AFC Championship game, then there's probably going to be some team that pays him a lot of money next offseason, whether that's Lamar or whether that's someone else. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think you're right that this is a, uh, a nice situation for Lamar if he sticks around because, there's, you know, if he goes to another team, they're not going to have the kind of talent that he does. Well, the Ravens, it seems like they have addressed wide receiver with Aguilar and they pick up Odell Beckham Jr. I did speak with a Ravens source the other day, Jonas. So I said, I guess wide receivers out. You guys will just focus on cornerback. And the answer was, well, why do you think that? Uh, the guess seems to be cornerback is the number one priority, maybe in the first round. Again, we won't know until Thursday night, but uh, it seems like that that's a big deal. And we don't know about Marcus Peters future. Yeah, I, I think right now the there's a holding pattern on pretty much all free agent activity until May 1st, because right then you don't have to worry too much about the comp pick formula and signing guys and, you know, affects the future, the draft stock that you got there. But this is a really deep cornerback class. You know, there's uh, basically four guys right now who I think you could pencil in to that first round status. Two of those guys are top 15 guys, so you're probably not in the Ravens range, but then you get to the back half of that first round. You've got Joey Porter Jr., obviously a familiar name to Ravens fans out of Penn State. you got Deontay Banks, another familiar name to, to Ravens and Terps fans playing in Maryland. You've got Emmanuel Forbes, who's like a pick-six machine out of Mississippi State. And then you got some guys, you know, kind of toward the back end of that first round, like a, a DJ Turner out of Michigan. Maybe the Ravens get a little bit risky and take a physical freak like a Keely Ringo out of Georgia. Um, but this is a deep class. The Ravens need an outside cornerback. If, you know, Kyle Hamilton is indeed moving back to the safety position, they need a nickelback as well. Um, you know, Marlon Humphrey obviously has some flexibility there. But I think the, the smart money is on the Ravens taking a cornerback. Um, if they trade down, if they trade out of that first round, I, th I think they can still get a pretty good value there. Uh, but I, I, that's, you know, I think it, it makes a lot of sense for them to, to target that secondary in the first round this year. All right, finally, I see the draft is a traveling road circus these days. It's in Kansas City this year. It's almost like they treat it like the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl. Wherever they can make money, they're going to go. I didn't know Kansas City was a big destination in the month of April, but it is now, I guess, because the draft is there, Jonas. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be nice to, to have it come to Baltimore, right? Yeah. Uh, it, you, get the, you get all the shots of, uh, you know, the, the cityscapes, the – the, the shots on the water. I mean, when when college game day came to Navy, it was just like an awesome, awesome time to, to see Maryland and to see Annapolis represent on ESPN for, for two or three hours. And if the draft, you know, wherever the draft goes, uh, I would never be among the crazy people who was actually in the draft and reading <laughs> on every pick like a, like a, you know, like a hooligan. Or uh, booing a pick. There for, <laughs> right? Especially if you're a Jets fan. Uh, but I think, you know, it's three days of nice exposure for your city. It's a, it's, it's a good time. You know, every, you know, every group of, of commentators that comes remarks on how nice it is, how accommodating it is. And obviously Baltimore could, could use that, that boost tourism wise. Uh, so, uh, you know, credit to Kansas city for rolling out the red carpet for the NFL. And it would be nice to see that, uh, to see that center stage, you know, rotate around the league and, and go to different cities.
All right, my phone just buzzed. I just got a message from the banner saying your time's up because they need another mock draft from you. So we will let you go. Thank you for your time, and uh, see you at the complex. Thanks, guys. Be good. All right. All right, there he goes, Jonas Schaefer. Boy, the NFL draft, man, it's become a pretty big deal. I mean, the MLB draft is something. The NHL draft means something. The NBA draft is fun, but no one owns TV like the NFL draft. It's a three-day Two nights in prime time, AJ. Yeah, their, their draft is long. The uh, NBA draft is short and sweet. Yep. Uh, I, I just look at the outfits, you know, the transition of the outfits, LeBron's <laughs> era, my Arabs coming in in the big old Steve Harvey suits now. they showing all these ankles, damn near showing calf. Uh, they're getting loans before they even make it there. And, and it's fun, though, man. It's exciting. These kids' futures, you, like, you don't know what's going through their minds. These are 21 to 23-year-old kids that are men, these are men that are about to enjoy something and, and their dreams are coming true. Hell, just say their dreams are coming true and no one knows what they're feeling. But if everybody's going to comment on it, no one knows what they're feeling, man. And you know, and so it's an quickly, exciting time. I wanted to mention this so real quickly because I'm glad they took the cameras away from the green room, you know, where you would see the players sit there yeah. with their families that's torturous yeah. to those guys. You had to feel as a as a former athlete, you had to feel for those kids sitting there waiting for their name to be called. Yeah, that sucks. Um, it, it's just uh, it's not cool, you know. But it, but it's the spectacle that you want, you know. It that's why people just be at home and you know. I call me if something happens. Uh, me, I was my era was different. We, baseball is different. I think we started doing a draft like 2012 or 13 or maybe 10 or something. Whenever MLB Network started, they started doing a public one. But now, I mean, not great. I found out I had a text message and it was online. So it's completely different for, for all the sports. Baseball and I mean, football and basketball have always been more forefront. Hockey, hell, I don't even know what a hockey draft is. Um, I love that the WNBA draft this year, that was that draft was turned up. Them ladies were out there. I love that. They were showing out and they need that too. Um, but it, it, these, are, these are men and women that are going from college or high school to the professional ranks. This is like this is what you work for, and hey, show out! Don't nobody, don't let nobody rain on your parade, man. Go out there and show out. And if that, if you want to go out there and be, be bedazzled, be bedazzled. I don't give a damn. Show out, show that personality. Well, the one thing they do do is uh, give the commissioner a big bear hug, which I always enjoy. Love that. Out there. You got yeah. to. It's respect, man. Yep. It's, it's 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 respect. If you like him or don't, it's respect. He's a commissioner. He's the boss. Right. And then five years later, he may or may not suspend you for something you did wrong. Exactly. Go shake it in. All love. Good. What's your favorite whiskey? Okay. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's keep it rolling. Let's uh, get in the rocket ship and go beyond Baltimore, where you're almost seemingly beyond yeah. Baltimore. But we will have an announcement about, about a Baltimore appearance this summer. Shh. Don't tell anyone. All right, so we, you're wearing your Lakers shirt. We've talked about load management in the NBA, and it's the other team in L.A. that seems to be having a problem. Kawhi Leonard is yeah. missing most of this series right now for the Clippers at the worst time of the year after taking so many games off during the regular season. Yeah. You get yourself up for the postseason. And what's been terrible about this postseason, in my opinion, is a litany of injuries. I picked the Bucks to win the championship. I'm still going to, I think, stick with them. But Giannis is hurt. John Moran has been hurt. Joel Embiid's been hurt. It's not fun to watch those guys sit on the sidelines. It sucks when the biggest names of the game is hurt, and that's what you want. You want the biggest names in, in, in prime time, in the playoffs. 
So. All right. So are you still going with the Lakers to win the championship? Hell yeah, I'm going with the Lakers. Are man. we gonna they bet on this right now? No, they'll be a three to one. They're three to one. Uh, I think it's two to one, but whatever. By the time, by the time the podcast, that's what I'm saying. So by the time the podcast <laughs> come out, there'll be a three to one. All right. So what's the wager? Are we wagering on the NBA finals or not? Um, I think we should just wager dinner. I mean, that's always a simple bet okay. by you. Uh, right. No, no doggy bags to go. I didn't everybody, take a doggy bag everybody last I know, time. everybody I know says the same thing about you. Did Jerry I take a know. doggy bag? Did Don't take a doggy bag? That. That's Bull. secondhand it, information. If everybody is, if more than one person is saying it, it got to have some substance to well, it. A bunch of people called you a great <laughs> ball player. A bunch of people call you a great you ball need, player. And I, I'm my, like, my mom did. My mom did. My wife and my, my kids did. That's all I needed. See, that's all I needed. That's I didn't need millions of people. To me, though. But Listen. all right. So, so you have the, if the Lakers win the championship, I buy the dinner. Yes. I am changing my pick. Okay. Well, oh, okay. I'm going Ooh. away from the Bucks because I'm worried about this injury with Giannis. Understandable. Boston Celtics. That's not a bad pick at all. And a Celtics Lakers <laughs> final would bring back a lot of great memories. Celtics Lakers finals would be epic for one major reason: the winner takes sole possession of the most championships in basketball history. Yeah, well, if you count the Minnesota championships for the Lakers, yeah. Hey, organizations, organizations. It's the organization. <laughs> hey, all right, it is we got what it is, man. We got the wager on tape: Lakers or Celtics hey. for dinner. All right, let's move along here and wrap things up. This bad boy of a podcast with so socially speaking, as we call it. We're on social media at Adam Jones Pod, at Adam Jones Pod on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for the people that don't have social media or just don't like social media or don't have a blue check mark like us. You can email us the Adam Jones Pod, the Adam Jones Pod at gmail.com. If you rate our podcast five stars, you qualify. For a Miss Shirley's gift card, like Zops in Twitter, who wrote the following, and he apparently loves to tweet the podcast, writing, I know you guys are tired of me saying this. We're not. However, no, we're not. Thank you for the podcast, and I'm caught up as of this tweet. No, no, Zops. Thank you. We appreciate your support as we continue to grow, and season three is just around the corner. Keep tweeting us, Zot. We don't care. Hey, do what you need to do. All the love. Anytime somebody's like, hey, man, I love what you love the podcast. That's why we ask for suggestions. We say it every week. We ask for suggestions. What can we do to get better? What can we ask? Who can we ask? Do you want to get deeper into somebody? You want to? You want me to tell more deeper, darker stories? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. There's a limit. Yes. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, There's we're, we're trying to tell the story. So ask. Please keep doing it. Keep tweeting us. All right. Hey, thanks to our loyal sponsors. Please support them. Folks, they all love Baltimore and they all love our podcast. Let's listen to who they are. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by the locally owned and operated Miss Shirley's Cafe, an award-winning breakfast, brunch, and lunch restaurant with three locations in Maryland. Miss Shirley's has been featured on Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and Triple D Nation, as well as Travel Channel's Food Paradise. Miss Shirley's Cafe has also been named Maryland's favorite restaurant by the Restaurant Association of Maryland. Visit Miss Shirley's Cafe in Roland Park, Inner Harbor, and Annapolis. Go to MissShirley's.com by Be More Around Town, which is now booking for their hashtag Orange Road trips to Atlanta, Wrigley Field, San Francisco, which includes a pit stop in Napa Valley, and Yankee Stadium, among others. Learn more now at BeMoreAroundTown.com. By the very respected folks at the Weinman Company. By Hollywood Casino Perryville. 
To some, it's a game of chance, but for you, it's a game of choice. Hollywood and Barstool are bringing you more ways to bet in Maryland. Catch all the action in person at Hollywood Casino Perryville at the Barstool Sportsbook or bet online with the Barstool Sportsbook app. When you download the Barstool Sportsbook app, register and wager, and you can get up to $1,000 bonus cash. Plus, get up to $1,000 when you sign up and wager in person at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Play from anywhere and get up to $2,000. The choice is yours. Must be in the state of Maryland to wager and over 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, it's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. By G-Leaf Medical Cannabis Company. Visit gleaf.com. Gleaf.com offers free delivery. Medical cannabis is for Maryland patients only. And the Baltimore Banner. The Banner is offering six months of unlimited digital access for only a dollar to get started visit the baltimorebanner.com slash aj thanks to our senior executive producer chip franklin for putting this latest episode together number 27 he'll be back for 28 we were told that by a good source tell a friend or family member about this podcast as we continue to grow be real be kind and make sure to be back here next week for another edition of the adam jones podcast 